Hola. Hola, Charlito. Charlito. Hola, Charlie. Char. Hey, Charlie. Okay, Charlie. Is your name Charles? It's Charlie, not Charles. Gente, happy Independence Day for white people. Thank you for joining me on the 4th day of July as we celebrate this illusion of freedom. I'm joking, but, but not really. Um, and since we're talking about freedom, let me just free myself from the shackles of this sober reality and get this cigar ready. Pour some whiskey into this glass and become free to enjoy this lovely day the way I like. So today marks the fourth day of July. Our nation's independence from Great Britain in 1776. On this day, famously noted that all men were created equal and that they were endowed with certain unalienable rights, among them being life, liberty, uh, and the pursuit of happiness, right? And Thomas Jefferson really thought that his grandiloquence was enough to shadow, or should I say overshadow the truth. And the truth was that slavery was still very legal in the southern states. And those that were free, still heavily policed and discriminated against. And independence is defined as the state of being free from outside control. So slaves definitely were not celebrating on this day. This is why June 19th, 1865, comes to mind when we speak of anything close to freedom in this nation. We're talking about almost, what, 89 years after the Declaration of Independence and over two years after the Emancipation of Proclamation uh, in 1863, abolishing slavery. Did the news travel to the enslaved people of Texas that slavery was finally over? Now, there are many different narratives as to why this was the case. Slave owners uh, kept it a secret. The U.S. didn't have enough army officials to enforce the law. Uh, the federal government was in cahoots with uh, Texas and uh, the, the slave owners in Texas um, to adjust their new normal and give them some time. But nevertheless, on that day, the people of Texas were informed in accordance with a proclamation from the United States of America that all slaves were free. Now, let's think about this for the purposes of understanding what freedom is. 
Think about how much of a shock to the system that would have been for all of those 250,000 slaves that realized that they were no longer property to their slave masters. Think about that. Immediate excitement followed by confusion as to what it means to be free, right? And that is the question that I guess I'm posing in this episode. What does it mean to be free? If you had spent your whole life being a slave, would you have explored whether there would be a new employer-employee relationship with that former slave master? Or would you have left as soon as you were told of your freedom? Would you have allowed your familiarity with the plantations, the known conditions, to deter you from venturing off into some unknown freedom trail? Leaving everything you've ever known. Trusting your faith, your imagination, and your sense of a better world. Now, we shouldn't be too quick to answer. Think about it. Many of us are too terrified to leave our nine-to-fives, even though some of these jobs don't bring us closer to happiness, closer to financial stability, closer to being promoted, because we fear that we will not make it on our own. We become attached to what is familiar. Many of us terrified of leaving our relationships for the same reason. And we've seen recently weeks of protest against police brutality, systemic racism, and white supremacy, all sparked by the murders of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Elijah McLean, and so many others. In the last few years, we've seen a call for bail reform and prison reform due to the overwhelming incarceration rates in this country. And there's a particularly disproportionate incarceration rate for many of color. So while slavery may have ended in 1865, its legacy still lives on. And this nation cannot claim any ignorance the foundation was built upon the captured lands and genocide of the Native Americans, an economy whose engine was cranked by the enslavement of men and women from the African diaspora, a nation that professed all men were created equal in 1776 and then turns around 11 years after, in 1787, to declare that slaves were three-fifths of a person in the three-fifths compromise, which allowed southern states to count slaves as a part of the population to determine uh, favorable representation and taxation within the federal government, a compromise that led to the South receiving more power on the backs of slaves. The slaves were counted only to support the southern economy, and it's all about supporting 
an economy. This is why I've always argued the direct link between slavery and consumerism, between the chains that shackled slaves together and the chains we proudly rock on our necks today. But we'll get into that as we talk about this freedom that we celebrate today. So let's talk about freedom. We have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be free? And freedom is subjective. It has a different meaning depending on who you ask. To me, Charlie, not Charles, freedom is the ability to be who you are without any bullshit limitations placed on you because of gender, uh, because of religion, race, age, sexual orientation, financial status, or any other reason. Now, however, to me, freedom is also nuanced, right? Um, in order for you to um, appreciate your freedoms, you have to accept that it comes with responsibility, that if your freedom makes other people suffer, then you have to be able to bear the consequences of that suffering, which may mean you losing your freedom. You cannot seek real freedom from physical, emotional, and psychological enslavement while physically, emotionally, and psychologically enslaving others. As a nation, must I remind you, we still have immigrant children in cages. We still have large amounts of people incarcerated and given lengthy sentences. We still live in a nation that is conservative in matters of justice and freedom, but liberal in exerting control through law and order. So then we ask ourselves, well, if this law or these laws of this nation run opposite to our interpretation of freedom, are we obligated to follow that law? So, John Locke, I've studied him as, as a professor um, for a course I was uh, teaching called Justice, Doing the Right Thing. And John Locke was known as a father of liberalism. And he stated that all Americans have entered into a social contract with the U.S. government. More specifically, he says that anyone who enjoys the benefits of a government, uh, even by traveling on the highway, implicitly consents to the law and is bound by it. Which I find uh, somewhat interesting because I don't ever recall signing this contract. So let me get this straight. Because you provide me a pothole-ridden sidewalk for me to scuff my brand new kicks on. I have to deal with your X, Y, and Z. Ironically, most of us have never signed this contract called the Constitution, right? Unless you are naturalized citizens. Immigrants who took an oath of allegiance as a condition of their citizenship. And also, public officials, I would assume, have to sign some contract 
to uphold and abide by the Constitution. But in contractual terms, and I never was a huge fan of contract law, right? But if contracts derive their force from mutual consent, also from like an autonomous reciprocity, meaning I am exchanging something voluntarily um, with the promise of something in return, right? But the government here has far superior bargaining position over me, which I can then argue makes my implied consent involuntary and coarse. That these terms may not be mutually beneficial to me at all and not fair to me at all. And I only pose this because I always imagined a world where the people and the government were equal in power and knowledge. But that world eats social and economic disadvantage for breakfast. And in my opinion, this is not the world or the nation that we live in now. But, okay, maybe I'm doing the most. Maybe I need to be appreciative of what the government provides. I mean, I like my streets. You know, I like uh, that there are government regulations on food environmental safety. I think it's pretty cool not catching an unnameable disease from biting into a hot dog at a Yankee game. Or that I can sue someone's negligent ass at a government building civilly for that time they chose to scroll through their Instagram and rear-end my whip. Cool. But does that mean I have to obey policies that criminalizes a woman's right to choose uh, whether or not to have a child? You know, as I say that, I, I remember this bit from Dave Chappelle where he says, I'm not for abortion and I'm not against it, but it all depends on who I get pregnant. <laughs> he went on to say something like, some men say that if a woman decides to have a baby, the man should not have to pay. They say, if you can choose to kill this baby, I can at least abandon that motherfucker. My wallet, my choice. Terrible, 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 but hilarious at the same time. Anyway, but seriously, should we obey laws that criminalize the poor while social programs continue to be cut? And why is it that defunding the police is considered radical, but defunding education is not? Or why am I obligated to pay taxes when I don't have a direct say to say where it goes? Even if the government gives us some options, why can't we choose between, oh, you know what? I want to pay my taxes and I want to go and I want them to go to energy. Or, you know, this time I wanted to go to general government or labor health and uh, human services or education. And I get it. Maybe many of us are ill-informed about what these things cost, and therefore, uh, you know, we can't properly allocate a dollar amount. But talk to me. I want to know. I want to know what makes national security so damn expensive and why. You know, and um, our efforts to meddle in other countries' politics included in that. How costly is it to bless these countries with our spotty democratic ideals and our superior way of living? And who's benefiting from this indoctrination? I would like to know, you know, as a taxpayer. On another note, on a higher note, 
Are we free to consume drugs if we're not hurting anyone else? Why or why not? Like Nas said, imagine smoking weed in the street without cops harassing. Imagine going to court with no trial. So many have been incarcerated for bullshit weed charges or have had their jail sentences extended due to prior marijuana convictions. Yet, we have big businesses that are not from the community or of the community, most victimized by these laws, already making millions off of marijuana sales. Are we free to receive information and learn from people from all walks of life, or even from the, from the walk of life that we belong to? Free to learn from our own heroes? Are we free to aspire beyond visual limitations, to appreciate the freedom that comes from seeing yourself and others who bask in the freedom and the joy that we hope to experience one day, despite real or imagined limitations? Are we free enough to understand and enforce the fact that Oh, representation does matter. Are we free to properly educate ourselves without excessive government intervention? Are we free to question what the government's role is in our education? Now, I understand that every child in this nation has uh, a right to a free, basic-ass education. Um, because the Supreme Court of the United States held that a school's financing system uh, could be only based on local property taxes, which means that financial inequity is a justifiable reason for why a child from a poor neighborhood can receive a less quality public education than a child from a neighborhood with higher income taxes. So the question then becomes that as Americans, are we free to receive a free quality education? And the answer is no. You just have the right and freedom to a free basic ass education. Are we free from laws that limit our own personal freedoms for the sake of government interest, like euthanasia? Are we free to die as a right of personal autonomy? And is that greater than the government's interest in preserving life? Now, I'm not arguing for either or, just noting that there are limited freedoms with even our own bodies, especially when it conflicts with government policy aimed at preserving humanity. But who defines humanity? How do we achieve this when our freedoms get lost amongst an erupting volcano of narratives? What is autonomy when free will is not the kind of thing that science can prove or disprove? Are we free to dress how we like in public places? Judges in criminal courts are notorious for kicking defendants out of court for wearing shorts. Are we free to wear any hairstyles? We've seen countless discrimination lawsuits over hairstyles in the past decade. I just recently read a case where a black woman uh, was 
fired after being hired uh, because she refused to cut off her dreadlocks. And there is unclear guidance when it comes to uh, discrimination, extending protections of, of hair texture or hairstyles uh, to uh, protected rights uh, by the United States Constitution. Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey has out a bill, not sure if it's been approved yet, um, asking for the courts to prohibit employers from discriminating uh, people based on hairstyles. And sometimes you got to ask yourself, where does this judgment come from? And why is it systematic? You know, um, I've read philosophers like Aristotle uh, that claim that the purpose of politics is not only to ease economic exchange and provide for the common defense, but also to cultivate a good character. But as Michael Sandel, a Harvard professor of philosophy, noted in his book that I taught in a class titled Justice, What is the Right Thing to Do? He speaks that cultivating virtue strikes many as strange, even dangerous. Who is to say what virtue consists of? And what if people disagree? If the law seeks to promote certain moral and religious ideals, doesn't this open the way to intolerance and caution? Now, I agree with Sandel because what comes to mind when we speak of groups that have preached virtue, I'm talking about religious fundamentalists like overzealous Christian Nazis, the Taliban. We think of stonings for adultery, the countless murders of doctors who performed abortions, even the perpetrators of 9-11. We tend to think of these groups as proponents to a cause that somehow stands in stark contrast to freedom. But we're really defending the principles of virtue, no matter how warped we think they may be. And in no way am I saying this is the norm when talking about religion. I understand that these cases are extreme. But I guess the question that we should always ask ourselves is, does the government, religion, or any group you are affiliated with limit your freedom and independence while promoting their idea of virtue? Are you still capable of choosing your own path, your own truth? Should our religion, our government, our affiliations be neutral when it comes to moral controversies? And should our governments be more proactive with moral matters that factually improve general welfare, such as providing adequate health care, eradicating systematic racism, or providing quality education for all so that everyone can exercise these uh, claimed unalienable rights of liberty, uh, life, and the pursuit of happiness? Or are we back to square one? Are those words only meant for a selected few instead of enforced to serve all? All right, so let me continue with this Freedom Festival and... Uh, continue to ask some questions like, are we free to earn the livelihood of our choosing? Are we free to purchase real estate anywhere we please without the bank denying us or a real estate agent refusing 
to show a specific property in a specific neighborhood. But even before the privilege of purchasing real estate, are we free to mobilize and pick ourselves up by the bootstraps despite not being able to afford a quality education, rent, or maybe having to support a parent? Are we free from unnecessary encounters with police officers? Are we free from being forced to take a bullshit plea in criminal court because we can't afford to adequately fight our case or even get bailed out? Are we free from going to trial and being unjustly convicted, sent away from our families? Are we free enough to survive a neighborhood without a criminal record despite the excessive patrolling of that neighborhood? Are we free to opt out of this social caste we were born into? Free to achieve something that no one around us did? Are we free from making unnecessary purchases despite being bombarded with messages that it will make us feel good or valuable? Let me ask you this. Are you free to choose friends outside of arbitrary reasons like class, race, gender, geography, from your hood? Are we free from the expectations of our own family? Are we free enough to live off the grid, away from so-called modern civilization, where people are glued to their phones and chill somewhere in the woods? Shit, are you even free enough to log off off social media for a day? Can you do that? Are you free enough to know when you need space? Are you free enough to know when you're working too many hours? Are you free to spend quality time with your family, with yourself? Are you free enough to think about what's important to you? Are you free enough to know the visible and the invisible effects of patriarchy and how we as, as men, for the men listening to me in particular, need to conceptualize this as a human issue? As a man, I can only imagine how many women feel free to walk out of their own apartments without getting catcalled or harassed at work by a sleazy colleague or boss? Or how many are free under this patriarchal system to get paid what they deserve? Battling antiquated ideas that a man has to provide for them or free from being pressed by their employers as to whether they plan to get pregnant or free from unsolicited remarks about their weight or what they're wearing or free from someone discounting their claims of being mishandled or worse by the hands of men. Shit is draining to even think about. Imagine living it as a woman. And I've been complicit to this system because I've benefited from this system. But I've been complicit way longer than what I've been an ally. So I hope to live a lot longer so that I can counterbalance that. Are we free from the chemistry of our own minds? Many deal with mental illness, depression, anxiety, etc. Are we free 
today to be in a good mood, to think clearly, to not feel anxious? Are we free from someone else's spiritual caution, from relationships and uh, friendships that don't serve us and support how we seek to live out our truth? Are we free from our own impulses, online purchases, cheating on spouses, or physically or verbally harming others? The other day while I was reading on my balcony, I felt the fly land on my chest. And um, I instinctively swatted it away, and within a tenth of a second, I splatted its beam with my sandal after it had landed on the floor. This is probably learned behavior seen in a Caribbean household or my own aggressive nature coming out. But maybe I didn't have to react that way, and maybe that fly didn't have to die. Are we free from the influence of others' ideals that manifest themselves through cancel culture or partisan politics? Are we free from acting in the same way as people around us, often ignoring our feelings in the process, sentencing people to social, spiritual, or physical death without a trial? Are we free from the self sabotaging cycles of behavior, of trauma that belong to us or someone else? Are we free enough to help and heal and share that help with others? Super importantly, are we free to be ourselves, to know what we want, to love who we want? How free are we with travel? Prior to COVID, many of us Americans took this for granted because we can travel almost anywhere with little to no restriction. Now Europe has a ban on us. And others, even in this country, don't share that freedom, right? In 2017, Trump entered some executive order that uh, placed uh, stringent restrictions on travel for folks, citizens of Iran, Iraq, Somalia, Sudan, and a few other places. I think Yemen was also on that list. And then they continued to add restrictions um, on Chad, North Korea, Venezuela. Trump also placed a ban that affected certain visas for residents in countries uh, such as Eritrea, uh, Myanmar, Nigeria, Sudan, Tanzania. I recall your boy Trump xenophobically calling for the total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States when he was running for president. I understand how some people claim that freedom is born now when the law dies, which leads us as to whether as a nation or even individually, uh, we are free and empowered to do things that fall outside of our personal experience. Free to learn about different places and cultures and infuse ourselves in the local environment and take less bathroom selfies in fancy-ass hotels. Are we free to focus on anything else but this American dream? A dream so powerful and tantalizing 
that many have jeopardized their own freedoms in search of the freedoms associated with this American dream. I recall when I was young, a young child, this was a while ago, not too long ago, but it was a while ago. I was like 10 or 11, and I was sent to the Dominican Republic to spend the summer, which was common for me at the time. Come June, when school was out, my mother would get sick of me and send me to this small city in DR where my grandmother lived uh, in San Francisco de Macorís. So I remember that summer I had joined this summer camp, and I remember that they gave us this tour, and this tour was around um, a residential area um, in San Francisco de Macorís, um, and it was like a new residential development. And I remember seeing beautiful homes with luxury cars parked outside. I remember asking the camp counselor, I think that's who he was, that um, why did I see so many homes undone or dusty BMWs parked outside of these homes? And he responded to my question, but he responded on his megaphone, saying that several families who had owned these homes had moved to New York for a better life, but while they were in New York, that they had become so obsessed with this American dream that they did things that were against the law and that now they couldn't enjoy these homes. And I remember one of my friends shouted out, drugs? And the counselor nodded as in, as in affirming his question. The counselor said, look at these homes and beautiful cars, never to be enjoyed by the people that paid for them because these people were either dead or in jail. Oof. As Jay-Z said, nothing wrong with aiming. Just got to change the target. Bring that energy elsewhere. The same energy that they could have applied in the business setting they applied to the streets. But going back to this American dream, are we really free from being seduced by this American dream? Are we willing to harm others to achieve it? Are we willing to harm ourselves in dealing with the pressures to achieve this American dream? Are you free from succumbing to alcohol, drug, or sex addiction? Addiction being a prison in and of itself. Are we free from our own ego, our desires to want to compete and forego a sense of what it means to work in terms of the common good? You know, I recall on Instagram, I saw this video from American professor Eddie Gaud, and he posed an important question when he asked, and I quote, how do we resist the way we are reduced to being individuals in pursuit of our self-interest and competition and rivalry with others in the pursuit of their own self-interest, that it eviscerates the notion of standing of the public good, which is why folks can't even understand why they need to wear masks, no conception on how to stand with others in genuine community. This is why I agree, at least in this aspect, with a German philosopher that I studied, Immanuel Kant, um, in this idea that freedom is more demanding 
than the freedom of choice we exercise in buying goods and services, that we can't claim freedom in a hyper-consumer culture because it simply involves satisfying desires that one hasn't chosen in the first place. We are purchasing the physical figments of someone else's imagination. And I speak to myself as I'm talking to a mic that is connected to a laptop imagined and created by innovators like Steve Jobs. I'm talking to you as someone who feels pressured to update his phone because technology and society demands it. You know, Kant goes a little deeper in arguing that as, as freedom seekers, which we claim to be, um, that we should all strive to live with reason uh, because reason governs our will and uh, we are not driven by the desire to seek pleasure and avoid pain when we operate out of reason, right? That reason sets us apart from the animals in the jungle, that we should not act as slaves to our appetites and our desires. Why? Because whatever we seek to satisfy us exists outside of us. And Professor Sandel, in referencing Kant's point, uh, talks about the Sprite slogan, right? Obey your thirst. That you act out of obedience, not of freedom. That in responding to a desire that you haven't chosen, you obeyed your thirst. Now, this brings me to some questions that I raised before, whether our behaviors are biologically determined or socially conditioned. Because if they are, then that is an argument to be made that we are truly not free. And according to Kant, I always get his name mixed with Kant, Kant, uh, freedom is to act autonomously. And that to act autonomously is to act according to a law that you give yourself not according to some dictation of nature or social convention. Okay, so imagine this. It's 2 a.m. and your sleepy girlfriend asks you, why are you up so late listening to Charlie, not Charles? Contemplate what it means to be free. And you respond by saying, to learn ways to leave my depressing job. But why leave your depressing job, she asks. To open up a bookstore, you respond. But why open up a bookstore, she asks. Because I want to make more money, you say. But why more money, she responds. To be happy one day, you say. But why aren't you happy now, she responds. Because I don't own the house that I've always wanted, where one can sneak away into a basement and not be shamed by his girlfriend for listening to a podcast this late. That's why I'm up late listening to Charles or whatever his name is. Rant about some old-ass philosopher, Kant or Kant or whatever. Okay, so first of all, anyone who talks like that is a dick. And second, this is what Kant or Kant calls doing something for the sake of something else. Making us instrument, not authors, of the purpose we pursue. He ends by saying, 
that respecting human dignity means treating persons as ends in themselves. Seems like a pretty righteous thought. Someone worth exploring more, right? But for some reason, I slowly faded away from his work once I discovered he strongly opposed casual sex, even between husband and wife. Yeah, nah, bro. He was doing the most. But on a serious note, I would like to acknowledge the freedoms that have been taken. And today, July 4th, is a reminder of a promise unfulfilled as stated by abolitionist Frederick Douglass. Let's be real. African Americans have endured a long plight for freedom that so many of us has benefited from, including myself as an Afro-Latino of Dominican descent. I'm telling you, this country owes African Americans not only an apology, but moolah, reparations, and why not? Germany paid billions of dollars to reparations for the Holocaust, right? And they did that in the forms of, of payments to individual survivors and to the state of Israel. And there was also education amongst the German citizenship um, that created a strong like, public sentiment um, to denounce the actual wrongdoings of the German government. Right? Japan also made private payments to Korean women and, and other Asian women uh, that were considered comfort women uh, during their occupation, victimized by the hands of Japanese soldiers. Even Australia has apologized for a public policy that sought to assimilate indigenous children to white society. You know, they also promised measures to overcome and uh, the, the social and economic disadvantage suffers by the, uh, suffered by the indigenous population in Australia. Even in this country, Ronald Reagan officially apologized to Japanese Americans for their confinement um, in these internment camps on the West Coast during World War II, right? And through legislation, Reagan even compensated each individual survivor $20,000 and also gave money to promote Japanese American culture and history. Even in a more distant historic wrong, Congress even apologized to Hawaii for their overtaking, their overthrow. But yet, the U.S., this country, this nation, this beautiful nation, has failed to publicly apologize for the legacy of slavery. Yeah, remember this historical event that they probably taught you in school called the Civil War? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the Civil War promised about 40 acres and a mule for freed slaves to begin their new lives. And that never came to be. And yet, we live in a nation, in a country, where even though polls show that a majority of African Americans favor reparations, only 4% of whites do. We have to free this culture from this historical amnesia and shift public sentiment. So check this out. A part of me celebrating my own freedom in this fake Independence Day means doing what I can to encourage this nation to become free as well. So what's free? As we've explored many things, but an apology for slavery isn't one of them. Peace and love, y'all. Thanks for tuning in.